We are uh, almost done with the series on the book of Corinthians, and we're uh, talking about chapter 14, and we're in a section of the book of Corinthians where the Apostle Paul is addressing how they worship, how they gather. Now, remember, when you think of church, you think of a large group gathering, don't you? Well, the church of Corinth were gathered in smaller groups and homes. There's no other way to interpret you know, chapter 12, 13, particularly 14, if there was 100, 150, 200 more people gathered. It was a smaller group, 20, maybe 30, um, and they would gather in a home and worship together. And so that's the picture that we're going to talk about. And I don't know if you guys have attended a lot of different churches. I mean, over the years, um, I've had the privilege to attend a lot of different churches, some very liturgical you know, I remember one I got invited to preach at, and it was an Anglican church. Um, I think it was down in Florida. And uh, I'd met this guy when I was a youth pastor, and I was doing a furlough. And, and uh, it, it was just so interesting because I'd never seen a priest get down in his robes and beat his chest during the liturgy. And I'm like, wow, that's a different liturgy. And, uh, but he was leading a time of confession. He literally was on his knees, on his face, beating his chest. And I thought, okay, that was different. And, and then I, I've been to some very free, charismatic. I've been to some churches that were, uh, you know, African-American. And just, uh, I mean, uh, my, my daughter used to go to church. They would have a deliverance service. And th- this older uh, female pastor, I mean, she would just pray over people. And they would lay out. I, and then some of them would do what I call the walleye. You ever seen them just... They, they, no. You've never seen it? If you've never seen anybody do the walleye, you need to go to those churches because it's... But, I mean, the Lord would just do amazing stuff. And so, so some churches, you know, you go in there and they're like suit churches. Everybody dresses up, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm underdressed. You come here if you wear a suit, people are going to look at you like, you didn't have to wear a suit, but it's nice if you did. I used, I used to wear one couple times a year just to spice it up. I haven't done that for a while, but it has probably more to do with I've also grown a bit and putting on the suit on is uncomfortable, if you know what I mean, right? So it's just like it's, it's a sacrifice every time you do a wedding or a funeral. You, okay, it's on. And uh, so it's probably why I don't wear the suit as much as I used to. But the Apostle Paul is talking about a culture here, a culture that um, in, our, in our culture, uh, he talks about in this chapter tongues, he talks about prophecy, and he talks about women. And this chapter 14 in Corinthians has some really interesting things in it. And so let's pray, and we're going to dig into it just a little bit. So Father, we ask that we would learn from your word. We want to be students from, of your word. We want to be receptive to everything you have for us. And I say, come Holy Spirit. Brood over your people. Form us into the very image, the very likeness of your Son. To the glory of your name. Amen. All right, I'm going to read the chapter for you, and then we're going to talk about it. Paul says this, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one 
who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like that every one of you speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will it be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with, with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in tongues should pray that they may interpret what they say. For, I pray, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I say? What shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, but I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in tongues. My brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. In the law, it is written, with our tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires, or an inquirer or unbeliever comes in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Read just a little bit more. Verse 26, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in tongues, two or three at the most should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpre interpreter, 
The speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if the revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone must be instructed and encouraged. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, for God is not a God of disorder. And then I'll read a little bit more a little bit later. Uh, just to say, verse 20, 37 says this, so anyone thinks he is a prophet and otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they themselves will be ignored. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So let's talk about those two, tongues and prophecy. Tongues have been one of these divisive uh, things in the church. A few Sundays ago, I talked about, um, I, was, I was a college student at the time, and I was, uh, and I had a, a guy come to me, and he told me that if I, had, I wasn't, didn't speak in tongues, I, I wasn't saved. And I was like, well, that's weird. And then I had another guy come with a track from a denomination that said if I spoke in tongues, I was possessed by the devil. And I just thought, as I, I mean, I, I'm just this young believer in Jesus going, what is this? Why is like this, this, this group says, if you don't do it, you're not, you don't go to heaven. And this group says, if you do it, you're full of the devil. And I'm thinking, something's not right with this thing. And, and uh, it was, it, it's, tongues have been one of these sort of divisive pieces in the church, haven't they? And it's, that's not God's plan. I just want you to know it. You know, tongues are a legitimate gift of the Spirit. And, and you, you need to know that. There's a lot that the Bible has to say. I mean, the first thing you need to remind yourself is how he started this chapter. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And then he says, for anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people but to God. And I, I really think that the Bible talks about almost like two types of tongues. You're, the, the tongue that he gives all of us is a devotional tongue. You know, everybody speaks in tongues, but, it, but he gives many people the gift of tongues. And it's a, it's a prayer language to be spoken to God. And, and it is, it, it's not necessarily to be spoken in public and interpreted. I remember, so, do you want to talk about my experience with tongues so you know I'm a weirdo too? But I was a young believer in the Lord. I was 18, and I had this habit of just rolling out of my bed, falling onto my carpet in the morning, and just seeking Jesus. And then I would do this in the evening as, as well. And one of those times, I can't remember if it was morning or evening, I was just praying to Jesus. And... There was a moment where I started to listen to myself and I realized I was no longer praying in English. I was praying in another language. I was just as shocked as any of you would have been had you heard me because I started praying in another language and I started in English. And I would have, I would have this sense in my gut and it just would rise up and I would just speak. So not long after that, I was attending a Lutheran church, 
and I was going to a youth Bible study. We were meeting in the basement of the church, so it was a little safe. And we, we would go around and pray. And when it was my turn, I just assumed that if I had this feeling, I was supposed to pray out in tongues. Do you imagine the look on all these young people's face when they've never heard anything like this and they look like deer in a headlight? Like, See, I didn't read any of this in the Bible. I, didn't, I was just young at reading scripture. I didn't go and do research on tongues or anything. And the guy who was leading it, he, he, w- he knew his Bible. He goes, well, the Bible says, if someone speaks in tongues, someone has to interpret. Which one of you has it? <laughs> and they got these, what? They were high school kids. And they're just, like, lost. And I'm, I'm pretty lost, too, because I'm new to, I mean, this thing is only, like, a week old, and I can't figure it out. And, and but what I, what I figured out after that is when I feel like I, I feel like I want to speak in tongues, I don't have to. Because the spirit of pro, the prophet is given for the prophet's control. And that there is a devotional tongue, because right around that time, within the first few months, we were taking communion, and my brother was uh, taking communion next to me. And I, I was speaking in tongues, not loud so everybody could hear, but, but quietly, And on the way home, he said to me, he said, you know what, I could understand what you were saying. I go, well, what was I saying? He goes, you were worshiping God. And it confirmed to me that the the gift of tongues is, is a personal prayer language to God. Occasionally, he might inspire you to speak in tongues in a small group, and someone might have the gift to interpret. And, and the funny thing was, is I had a, uh, my grandmother, she was a first-generation German Lutheran. And um, I found out years later that my Lutheran grandmother spoke in tongues. She never told anybody this. And, and she was in a renew, some kind of renewal movement, and, and, and it, was, it was amazing. I mean, and so I want to demystify it for you. It doesn't mean that you're weird, although it does sound weird. Um, but for those of us who believe the scriptures, okay? For those of us who believe the scriptures, the Bible has chapters dealing with this gift. And, he, and, he, and it says this, if anyone speaks in tongues, he edifies himself. When you pray to the Lord... In, if you have that gift, he builds you up in your inner being. And so when you go to your prayer closet or having your quiet time, you can pray in tongues. Some would say, well, I prayed in tongues once. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. I can tell you, look, here's the deal. If God gives you the gift, he doesn't just shut it off. Okay? You have the gift. Not everybody, because we had this earlier. Do all speak in tongues? Paul says, No. Not everybody has the gift. And if you have the gift, it doesn't mean you're better than anybody else. It just means God's given you something because you need personal edification. Did you know that? You need to be built up. All right? And you can be like my grandma and go to the grave and not even talk about it except to one or two people. You know? That's okay. 
but you use it in your personal prayer closet. And that's why if in a meeting, it says, for this reason, if one uh, who speaks in tongues should pray that they may interpret, sometimes God will say, hey, I'm going to give you the interpretation, and you can speak it out. That has never happened to me, okay? That's never happened to me. I can't speak to that, except that it is a possibility. Another couple things else we should point out. The one, of the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. That doesn't mean the person is greater. That means that it has better, uh, it builds up the body better, okay? Someone, over, say, Steve stands up and decides to speak in tongues, and nobody interprets. The only one that benefits is who? Steve, okay? That's not, that's not how the body of Christ works. We speak so the body is built up. And the Apostle Paul, for those of you who think people are weird that speak in tongues, makes that crazy statement, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I mean, he wrote the Bible. He encountered Jesus, and God gave him a gift so he could be built up, so he could be edified. It says, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct you other than 10,000 words in tongues. So, say, you're, say you, you've never received the gift of tongues, but you have an interest. I, I just tell people, just talk to Jesus about it. Say, Lord, I'd, li I'd like to have that gift. Just make it a part of your prayer life. And if he gives it to you, wonderful. Or go for prayer ministry. Hey, I would really like to have the gift of tongues. I'd rather you say I'd really like to have the gift of prophecy, so would the Apostle Paul, because that's the next gift we're talking about. But, if, but he gives it to a lot of people to build them up, and also, I, I've used it to pray for situations and people that I don't know how to pray for. And so I think of them, and I pray in the Spirit. And hopefully there's not a disconnect. Does that make sense? And I just ask the Lord to do what he wants to do in that person's life. So, if you're interested in the gift of tongues, talk to Jesus about it. He's been giving it for 2,000 years. It's not meant to divide the church. It's meant to build up the body. Okay? And it doesn't mean you're a better Christian if you have the gift or you don't have the gift. I took piano lessons, okay? Uh, my parents, I wanted to play guitar as a kid. My parents said, you can't take guitar until you learn how to play piano. So I took a year of piano, hated it, quit, said to my parents, I want to take guitar lessons. You can't take guitar lessons until you take piano lessons. I took another year of piano, hated it. I'm sorry, okay? Uh, we have a lifelong piano teacher in the back. Finally, the third time, they said, okay, we'll let you take guitar lessons. But I had to suffer through two years of piano, and I really enjoyed the guitar. It, some people have natural gifts. You know, they sit down at the piano, they don't even need a lesson. It doesn't make them better or worse than people that don't have those gifts. Does that make sense? So we're not about judging people based upon their gifts, all right? But it is a gift that God gives to many people in his body, and that's tongues. Now let's talk about prophecy. It's a little more fun. Uh, let's go back to the key verse. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire 
gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. What's prophecy for? But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Look, if you get anything today, get this. The Old Testament pattern of the prophet Nathan showing up to King David and calling him out on his sin is not how the New Testament prophecy is designed to work. Do you understand me? He says that he gives the gift of prophecy for the strengthening, encouragement, and comfort of the body. So if you feel like you've got the gift to point out everybody's people's sin, you were born at the wrong time. Okay? You know, when we pastored in Amsterdam, I don't know if you know this, maybe you know, I was a missionary for a number of years and was a part of a church plant in Amsterdam. And, and we would have people, I mean, we would, we would have people that were in the midst of uh, sex change stuff. We would have people that would come in leather and spikes. Uh, we would have people that came in business suits. I mean, it was the strangest community, okay? It was just, it was a weird, it was a, it was a church that had a lot of seekers, okay? But we as a staff made a commitment that we wouldn't comment on somebody's lifestyle unless they ask us. 100%. We would just say, come as you are, and we wanted people to encounter Jesus. Because I believe you, God, when, when you come to Jesus, he doesn't clean you up and then accept you. He accepts you and then cleans you up. Did you know that? You got to catch the fish before you clean them. And so that's a huge, huge part of following Jesus. So prophecy, strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. That's what he does in the church now. But the one who prophesies, he edifies the church. I, I, I've been really trying to lean into some of the prophetic in our services. And, and what I love, a few weeks ago, we had a, a person, and I, I had this sense, I say, Lord, do you have anything for anybody? Do you have anything for anybody? After the message, we got ministry time going, and, and I just had this sense that, God, somebody's pushing the restart. And I said, Lord, I think that's of you. So I said, I think somebody here is pushing the restart button in their life. They're, they're, there's something going on, and they want to restart. And when you speak these out, it's not like someone goes, that's me, that's me, and they come running forward for prayer, right? You, you just don't know. So after the service is over, I'm downstairs, and this woman who was visiting from out of state, she says to me, she says, and she's got tears in her eyes, she goes, I had just prayed that prayer for a restart when you spoke. Do you, do you know what that does to a person? It says, number one, God sees you. You're not just this empty person just before hoping God hears you. He sees you. He loves you. He knows you. Do you see how that's for the strengthening, encouragement, and edification of the body? That's why he asked people, come forward for prayer ministry, because sometimes you'll get a prophetic word in prayer ministry that will encourage you. And it can be life-changing. And I love this part where the Apostle Paul says, but if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in, while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their heart are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. There are times where God will use the prophetic in evangelism. 
So when you and I go out and we talk to people, sometimes he'll give you a word for somebody. I one time went to a convenience store, and I walked in there, and I was, I can't remember what I was buying. I was just buying something. And this guy looks at me, and he basically tries to prophesy over me. And he says these things about me, and he goes, is that, any of that true? I said, no. He goes, oh. Like, it was really weird, though. He, like, I just wanted to get some gum, but... And then I've, I've prayed, like, Lord, give me something for this guy, and I'll pull in and read his lunch, you know? Like, I mean, I don't know what spirit this guy's operating in, but he's not listening to you. <laughs> True story. It's weird. Does anybody, do weird things happen to you guys, or is it just me? Yeah? I mean, it's like, I just wanted to get a pack of gum. Um, but if, if God gives you a word for somebody, they will feel known they will feel sometimes convicted of sin. They will, they will realize that there's more to this life than just what we see, that God is at work. And so when the Apostle Paul encourages us to go, go for it. You know, you gotta, you gotta say, look, this is not about me. This is about reaching others for Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna move on to a very difficult part of the passage that I, that I didn't read earlier, okay? And, and I know we're running over, but... I'm going to run over today, okay? Um, let me find this now. Here we go. Now, verse 34 says this, and he says, um, Women should remain silent in the church. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? Let's find verse 37. Okay, and then let me just, let me just read a little bit more out of my Bible with my challenged eyes. Um, here we go. Okay. Sorry, I need glasses, so it, it's fuzzy, so it takes me longer to find things. Yeah. Thank you. Tell me how they look. Oh, baby. Life just, life just got clear. All right. Are these a one, two, or three? Do you know about one, twos, or threes? Okay, 36, 37, therefore, okay. There we go. The women should keep silent in the church, for they are not permitted to speak, but they should be in submission. As the law says, if there is anything they desire to learn, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or... Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks he is a prophet uh, or spiritual, he should acknowledge these things. He says, I am writing to you, uh, what I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, and he is not recognized. So my brothers and sisters eagerly desire prophecy and do not forbid the speaking in tongues. Thank you. It was still a little fuzzy, so I don't know what that means. But... Um, 
here's a passage, uh, and, and we have women pastors and elders in our church. And I, and I just want to uh, let you hear this. Um, how do you deal with this kind of passage? Do you de- how, do you, how do you deal with it? Well, I've spent a lot of time doing some research on this passage. And, and one is, the, I think you have to put it in the context of the New Testament. One is that in the last days, Peter preached that your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. The Apostle Paul, two chapters over, talks about women who pray and prophesy. He said they needed to wear some kind of covering, but he, they were speaking in the church. And now we're in 14, and we, he says, let them be silent. What's going on there? How can they be speaking, but at the same time, silent? So it's, it's a little confusing. So let me unpack it. I think this is one of the best ways to understand it. Um, always realize that it says, follow the way of love and, love and eagerly desire the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So um, he says this, and, and get this in context. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. Even in the context of chapter 14, he's speaking to men and women. What then shall I say? Brothers and sisters, when you come together, each one of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, interpretation. So he's saying to the whole church in chapter 14, you're going to have a hymn, a word, instruction, a revelation, but everything must be done in order. So if you're, if you're viewing this part of 14 as saying women can't speak, the apostle is already saying women can speak. And then he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, but do not forbid the speaking in tongues. And, and there's a couple things you need to note when you interpret this passage. The word for woman is the same as wife. Did you know that in the Greek? And so the only way you know if it's wife or women is context. And there's a husband mentioned in this passage. And so the context is a husband-wife relationship. He talks about silence and submission. The only time you're going to see that in the scriptures is in the apostolic uh, rules in like 1 Peter where it talks about wives submitting to your husbands. There's no passage where it says women need to submit to men. You don't find that in the scriptures. You do find it in husband-wife relationships. Two or three prophets should speak, and all should weigh carefully. So one of the best interpretations is this. He, it's saying that if you, uh, the wives in the group, if their husband is prophesying, they, they should probably wait till they get home because you don't want it. It was like my wife and I, my mic was on, and she's like, I, I think Rebecca should have just said Rebecca. I said, well, there's a lot of people that need to know she's a pastor. I don't know. I just think the name is. And they, someone told me my mic was on. We, we're having, we disagree on things, you know. And, and um, it, Okay, how many are married and agree on everything? <laughs> I really believe in this passage, he's saying, you know, it's like the husband speaks up and gives a prophecy and the wife's like, I don't buy that, you know. <laughs> you know, like, and, and, I, and so it's, it's this idea that it refers back to 1429 where he's talking about weighing something. 
Because, it, because you don't see general submission of women. You only see it mentioned in, in Peter. And so I think one of the best ways to understand this, because Paul even mentions the law. But it, the way he mentions the law is never used that way in the Old Testament. So what the heck is he talking about? And, and so what I think he's talking about is he's, he's talking about not an Old Testament law, but there was a Roman law because in Romans 13, you know, he talks about being submissive to the laws around you, where he says that, that uh, wives should um, be subservient or submissive to their husbands. It was a part of the Roman law. So it was a part of the Roman civil law at the time. There was a wifely deference to their husbands in public. And so that's really what he was uh, getting at. And so when Paul tells the wives to ask the husbands at home, the word ask is not a simple ask, but it's almost arising from curiosity, but it has this sense in the Greek of interrogating. And so you, you, you want to realize that this is talking more about a husband-wife relationship with the specific gift of prophecy where the wife is to say, I want to talk to you about that at home. And so you put these things together. The verse could read like this. Let wives be silent in the church, for these wives are not allowed, according to civil law, to speak in certain ways that is to publicly question their husband's prophecy. Rather, let the wives be in submission, as the civil law also says, if they want to vet their husband's prophecy, let them do it at home. Does that make sense? He's not making a prohibition for women to speak. How could the Apostle Paul making a prohibition for women to speak when he earlier tells everybody that you have prophecies and that women should prophesy? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense with the coming of the Spirit in the New Testament. So it's very much uh, dealing with, and can you imagine, because it obviously took place where some women were getting up and arguing with their husband in these small groups about the prophetic and what they said. And some of you men are going, oh, my wife would never do that. So he had to bring a, a corrective that was very specific to that place and time and to the Roman culture. Are we okay with that? If you want a dialogue, I've read every interpretation there is out there to this passage this week. I've dug deep as I can. And uh, I get exhausted dealing with these passages, but that's what you get from me. So I want to walk away, take communion now. I want to walk away with this. If you get nothing, get this. The Apostle Paul says, follow the way of love, but eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, except especially prophecy. And I know some of you might feel a little wigged out by saying that, but let me just tell you, prophecy builds up the body. If the Lord gives you a word for somebody else, and it's right on, it encourages them, it edifies them, and it builds them up. Let's stand up, and we're going to get ready to take communion. I told this a number of weeks back, but I remember I was living in Portugal at the time, and and uh, if you heard this before, I'm sorry. And, and uh, there was a, a woman speaking at a Assembly of God conference center uh, north in, a, in the hills over Lisbon. And uh, 
I didn't realize she was the keynote speaker. Someone just introduced me to her, and, I and, then, they, and then later I realized this was the keynote speaker. And, and she, I said hi, introduced myself, and someone introduced us. And she goes, uh, we started talking, she stops, and she goes, maybe God will give me something for you. And I'm like, all right. I have an open wallet. No, and, uh, and, and partway through her conversation, she stops, and she says, God wants you to take a sabbatical. And I had been 10 years on the mission field, and uh, we had, our mission had asked me to go move to Germany and mentor a church planner in, in uh, Berlin. I had done two ex exploration trips uh, up into, uh, or one exploration trip up into Finland, and we're looking at planning an international church in Finland, um, in Helsinki, and, and, but deep down, I was really desiring a sabbatical, but I didn't tell anybody, because I felt like that was wrong, like you shouldn't take a break, and this woman that I didn't know from anywhere looked at me and spoke to the deepest desires of my heart and prophesied it over me. Do you know what I did? We took a sabbatical. Church, I pray that you make this passage your prayer today. God, give me the gift of prophecy so I could help other people, so I could build them up that I could encourage them so I could reach lost people. Tune my ears to your voice so I could hear you for others and not just for myself. And may we always do it in love. Always do it in love. So Lord, this is your church and you give gifts and we don't always understand them. Gifts like speaking in unknown languages that we don't understand. And gifts of hearing things for ourselves and hearing things for others that you call prophecy. And would you stir that gift up in Christ the King Vineyard Church to build up your body and to further your kingdom. Because, Lord, none of us could stand before you if it wasn't for the moment we're coming back to, the moment where you poured your life out so that we could have a relationship with God. And before we come to this, I just want to say, if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do it today. It's as simple as just saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. I am a sinner, and I want to be saved by grace. And I believe that you truly died on the cross for my sins. Come into my life. I want to follow you. That simple. Pray a prayer like that. Change your life. Because we come back to that place, place of forgiveness every time we take communion. And so the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body, which has been given for you. Do this and remember me. And in the same way, he took a cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink, and when you do this, remember me.
So Lord, we love that we can proclaim your death. We receive everything you want us to receive in your body and blood, in the bread and the wine. So come, Holy Spirit. Minister to your people. Amen. We are uh, finishing our service, but we want to start some prayer ministry, and that's going to go on. So if the Lord has spoken anything to your heart, if you want to pray for greater spiritual gifts, if you want to pray for healing of any area, um, I just ask our prayer team to come forward, and the band's going to play a bit, and you can just come and get some prayer. And because we're late, I'll give you a blessing, but we're going to have prayer ministry going on. So come on forward, prayer team, and I'm going to give you a blessing. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his favor, his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen? Amen. Have a great Sunday. Remember to bring a chair next week. We're going to be meeting outside. Prayer ministry is going. It's ministry time. <laughs>